Movement Rio Media presents A Few Good Physios with Dr. Eric Munoz and Dr. Leonidas Scantolides. You can't handle the truth. What is physical therapy? More research. More research. True therapeutic effect. Join us each week as we discuss current trends in medicine, rehabilitation, and strength and conditioning. The answers are out there. All content is a collaboration between On Point Sports Care and Integrated PT Squared. A Few Good Physios is not medical advice and is used for educational purposes only. If you are having pain and or health-related complaints, please seek out a licensed healthcare professional. Thank you for downloading. Enjoy. Here we go, episode episode twenty nine. <laughs> already fucked up. Oh, that's terrible. It's okay. We'll keep going. Episode twenty nine. Uh, today is a special day. Today we're going to be talking about something that we absolutely love, and we're going to be talking about why we love it. And uh, I think ninety percent of it should be positive. Yeah, you know, all, all positive. We're actually a hundred percent fresh off a of class. That's right. Fresh off a few chokes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is going to be a great topic, and in this to- in this podcast, I think we're going to go over a little, uh, a brief history, benefits, possible risks, if mm-hmm. that's in, mm-hmm. common injuries, um, and most importantly, uh, jujitsu. That's right. So, Lee, man, I'll let Lee take it from here and just give you a, a brief overview on the history of, more specifically, right, mm-hmm. Brazilian jujitsu. Yes. Um, and we'll, I guess, differentiate that. It's funny, I was just thinking about a previous podcast where I I'd said the history of, of uh, physical therapy, too. I, I guess I'm the history guy. Yep. Uh, but, all right, I'll do my best. I, I am not going to go all the way back to its inception because I think, um, I, I don't think I'll get that story right, but I'll at least talk about when it came to the United States. So, um, from what I understand, in the 1990s, in the mid-90s, uh, the Gracie family came to Torrance, California, and they opened up a school. And uh, at the time, I believe it was Hoist Gracie, uh, Hoyler Gracie, um, a, a couple of other Gracie brothers. I think there's five of them. Um, along with, was it also, I don't think it was Carlson. Who's Henry's father? Um, I think that's, it might be, it's not Helio, is it? No. I don't know. There we go, man. Yeah, this, we this go. is it. <laughs> All right, it's going to be a, an abbreviated history. Um, but anyway, so they had a school in California. <clears throat> what was significant was um, there was no popular Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the United States at the time. So what they did was uh, not only did they teach classes in this t- for people who wanted to learn, but they also invited surrounding traditional martial arts schools to come by and it was almost like challenge matches so they would say like you know why don't you come by and try out your martial art uh horian yes horian gracie okay yes that's henner's dad henner's dad and definitely the uh, yeah he's one of one of the innovators he was one of the key guys in uh in In school okay nice so um so all of them were there and a they invited these traditional martial artists to test their skills out. So if you, you can watch this. This is all on YouTube. If you just Google Torrance, California, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it's narrated by one of the brothers, and they talk about what... They kind of break down each match, and it's fascinating to watch because back then, nobody really knew, uh, in terms of a popular sense, what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was. And I can speak from experience from... I come from a traditional martial arts background. I only saw um, a couple instances of it when I was a kid, 
And I remember distinctly, it was like literally watching, you know, something that you've never seen before happen and you didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, I guess Hori and Gracie <laughs> and, uh, was attributed to creating the UFC. So, I mean, this was kind of like pre-UFC or why the UFC was created. Um, they had these traditional martial arts come, challenge matches, and every one of those matches ended up the same way. The Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu representative, as they call them, uh, won, and they won by submission. And it was it's really cool to watch because you really see how everybody was so surprised when they went up against these guys and they ended up getting submitted. And some of them wanted to do it again. They're like, oh, I messed up the time. Let me try it it again. (laughs) And it would be the same outcome. And it wasn't like when they went up against these guys and they brought them, the the jiu-jitsu representative brought them down to the ground and submitted them. It wasn't like an immediate thing. Sometimes during the takedown and the setting up for the submission, they would play with them a little bit. And whoever was narrating would be like, they would describe it as like, you know, how a cat plays with their prey. It'd be kind of the same thing to show I'm in a dominant position and I I have control and everything. And it was, again, it was fascinating to watch, especially from my perspective where I I came from the traditional martial arts and um, how it worked. So to go into, if if you're not familiar at all with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, to give you like a basic idea of how to describe it is if you have two fighting individuals and they're standing, uh, assumingly, the idea is to bring that opponent down to the ground. So you bring them down to the ground, you take away their most powerful asset, which is their legs and their trunk, and now you start to set up for what will ultimately be the ending submission. And the submission just means the other person uh, gives up. The other person either verbally or uh, tactile taps out and says, I don't want to continue anymore. And or if they don't submit, then the consequence of that is pretty heavy because <laughs> the, <laughs> the end result of a submission is either a joint break or a stranglehold, which will result in unconsciousness or if it's held long enough, death. Um, so that's, that's usually doesn't happen in class. No, usually things don't break, <laughs> and you know usually people don't pass out. I've yet to see someone pass out, but it, that, that does happen occasionally. I saw it once. Um, I heard of it mm-hmm. a couple of times on the white belt class for <laughs> sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, those are the end results, right? Uh, so that's like the most basic thing: take them down to the ground, set up for a submission, or what we say like pass the guard, or or uh, get into a, uh, in a dominant position, and then and then submit the person. Um, it, it seems so simple, and it seems like anybody can get out of it. That's why it's so funny to me. Like Even myself, when I watched it, not knowing the details of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a traditional martial artist, I thought to myself the same thing. Oh, I'll be able to get I, I could get out of that. And then there's been a couple of times before I started Jiu-Jitsu that people have showed me that, that I was incorrect. And I was blown away by it. And it's so, it's so weird to think about it now because back in the day, I can't remember exactly what happened. But I remember all of a sudden the person was on my back. Like, I, I guess the bi- biggest instant was this with Dr. E. So this is in adult life. I think I told you about this. So um, one of my clinical instructors yeah. during um, my clinical film he was training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'm not sure if he still does it now, but he, he was really oh, big into it. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Yeah. This is, 
So he that's, uh that's news to me. That's actually cool news too. Yeah, it was hilarious. And so um and he also has a background in Muay Thai and he always used to tease me because he knew I was a, a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. He's like, Oh, we have to find out someday if your Taekwondo can match my Muay Thai or Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I was like, ha ha whatever. And then uh it was like at the end of the eight week affiliation um level of comfort and i'm not gonna have to see this guy <laughs> right yeah, yeah he and so and the, all the patients are gone for the day we're like writing notes and he keeps he, trying to egg me on i was like all right let's do it let's go and so he stands up and we start like lightly whatever kicking each other and then again i can't explain exactly what he did at the time but now i know what he did so um i did i think i i was kicking his legs trying to get him to block and uh, then I think he tried to attempt to grab one of those legs at the time. I blocked it somehow. And then I went for a high kick, not to hit him in the head, but just to like... Show him your foot was there. Yeah, exactly. And then I think what he did was he, he covered his head like a traditional Muay Thai block or parry or whatever. Mm. And then uh, he dove under and did like a single leg takedown. Somehow took my back immediately, secured a rear naked choke. And then just squeezed, and I, I wasn't gonna go unconscious, right, right, so I just right. tapped out. Right, right. But um, but at the time, I couldn't exactly describe what he did. All I knew, I was on the ground, and he was on my back. I was like, "What? What is this? Doesn't mean anything." And then all of a sudden, he started to choke. Yeah. And then you realize what's happening when they squeeze. You're like, "This is not good. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna lose my air and get knocked it's out." It's a very, you know, once you, for the first time, if you, I guess the first time you've ever applied, get pressure to your carotids that. And your trach and everything. Just think of your neck just in a noose. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, second, third, 25th time, <laughs> it's always a, it's a startling feeling because um, we have little receptors in our carotid arteries that, uh, that monitor a lot. Um, pressure. Pressure. Pressure, <laughs> temperature, volume, flow. But the pressure, and when you feel that pressure... The bells go off, um, and, and you want to get out of that as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of these, going back to challenges, a lot of these challenge matches, the jujitsu practitioner was playing with this person that was literally trying to take their head off, um, and they would never hit them. They would op- they would smack them with an open hand. Um, and a lot of these guys that challenges challenged the Gracies often joined the school. Yeah, soon after. I mean, maybe not all of them. I'm sure they, I'm sure a lot of them didn't end well, yeah. but um, yeah, that was what late '90s, early '90s. I think it was early '90s because I think the inception of the UFC was like '94, yeah, so or maybe '95 or something. But um, look at that. Just go. Uh, just doing a quick little background check here. We'll get to it, but mm-hmm. UFC. That's yeah. when it kind of really took off yeah so then ufc the the first ufc if you look up the history of that was absolutely insane because there was no rounds there was no timer it was like whenever the match ends 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 and there was hardly any rules i think they only said like no eye gouging i think you're still kicking the crotch you can knee them while they're on the ground and do all these crazy things and you had the the strict brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner against the strict kung fu uh you know aikido or uh taekwondo or whatever and uh the only jiu-jitsu representative at the time in ufc was hoist hoist and hoist isn't uh, a particularly 
big individual, right? I, I don't know his. At the time, he was. He's like six foot, but he. Oh, 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 oh. No, but he weighed like one sixty. He was okay. very skinny. He's a skinny guy. Yeah. Well, I'll let that fool you because he took down many a giants, right? Oh my <laughs> God, yeah. The fame. There's so many famous um, fights with like Frank Shamrock, and then that guy. Uh, what that wasn't. It was. It was chemo. I think it was this. Uh, he was supposed to be a Taekwondo guy. It was a famous fight that he ended up ripping his hair off and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The guy tapped from I think an arm bar, and also he was exhausted because they were going for like I don't know how long. Like so, six, yeah, seven minutes. It, it was pretty. I, I I recall briefly a couple of my friends in the mid to late nineties. You know, they were into boxing, mm-hmm. and this UFC was like so underground. There was tapes, right? I guess there were VHS tapes. Yeah. Oh, my God. VHS. And it was like, I got this tape, and it's crazy. This is a small guy, and he's just choking people. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there was so many different rumors. There was a, an Iranian wrestler. Right. The, the story was yeah. uh, Eddie Bravo. He was like, some Iranian yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. That was the story I'm thinking about. But it was, I remember hanging out with my friends mm-hmm. you know and and i remember it's the, the guys that were into boxing i really wasn't into i wasn't really wasn't into boxing but i remember saying you gotta see this the guy is super small and he's choking people and then they had i guess they had tapes of the gracie challenge as mm-hmm. well which was a big deal um but yeah this this is the infancy of brazilian jiu-jitsu here in united states yeah and it and it just it spread like wildfire because when you put that on the main stage and people actually see it, they're like, what is that? And even the commentators, they didn't even know what to say. Right. They're like, he's doing some sort of, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and he starts to strangle. And, th- and then they tap for some reason. Right. And <laughs> it wasn't until they got people like Joe Rogan and uh, other commentators who actually had training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They actually, actually explained what's going on. And I think that's the coolest thing because coming from a traditional martial arts background, you were taught so many things about these um uh proposed scenarios right yeah so you're always preparing for like if someone does this then you're gonna do this and then it it, it was really i think in my opinion i think bruce lee was probably the first martial artist to really at least question things on a public level i'm sure there's plenty of people who questioned things in the beginning but someone who was so well known bruce lee literally went around to on to tournaments and basically said, your martial art doesn't work. Your martial art doesn't work. I'm here to show you. It was kind of the same thing. The challenge back then, yeah. Yeah, and he did. If you watch these old black and white videos of him in the tournaments, I had an instructor who was a grandmaster in Taekwondo. I actually saw him as a kid. And the way he talked about him, he was he, he was trained in Korea, and he was very successful um, Taekwondo world champion. And he didn't like him at all because he, you know, Bruce Lee really talked bad about Taekwondo. The practicality of it wasn't there, and um, these uh, ide- idealistic scenarios never happen. And what he, he, what Bruce Lee brought to light was there's this unpredictability in fights. Oh. And he, and the reason why he knew this not only because he created his martial art, but also he did his own challenge matches when he was a teenager. He's kind of a punk when he was a kid. He used to go around. He probably got beat up many times. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. It we sounds only crazy hear, to say that, right? No, you're right, you're right. I mean, I only assume because he, you only hear about the ones that he like beats people up. But um, he was he was not only challenging the norm, but he was also challenging himself because he probably learned from those losing those matches, whatever right. he did. He had to. Um, but I think that's the coolest thing about what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has done. It has demystified this idea that 
um, kung fu is going to work in a street match when you do this, this, and this. Not really. If, if the other person has like a wrestling background, you're fucked. Right. You know, you're going to get taken down right. to the ground. So a lot, a lot of self. You know, my brief background with Kempo Karate, we had mm-hmm. um, a self defense, kind of like a worksheet. Really, there mm-hmm. was like you know, as a I guess a white belt, each belt had their specific self defense technique. So you know, there's a a knife attack, someone grabbing you from the back, and you know you step on their foot, and you know you, you bring their arms up, or you know the the, the you know the blocking of a punch, you know mm-hmm. very perfectly blocked the punch, and then, you know, <laughs> and then I just blocked the microphone there. Um, you block the punch, and then again, it I think not to knock it because no. it definitely teaches you how to move. Yes, but the truth is, we we were not the beauty of jujitsu is you get to practice whether this will actually work in a real live scenario. Uh, right. That's what, you know, live drilling is. In a lot of these other um, martial arts, you know, you're doing stuff either on pads or in the air. And if you are working with a partner, you know, it's not all out. Right. At least what I've encountered. I think that I'm sure, and I mean, I did encounter some craziness in my Kempo. I think I've shared it with Lee and maybe publicly, but mm-hmm. we did have a... a Sun Saturday sparring thing mm-hmm. that uh, was a little like uh, like a no holes bar. You know, you got pads on in a cup, but last man standing, and mm-hmm. and that Crazy. was totally not the right move. I definitely got some, some. It was not. It wasn't the safest thing, and I don't recommend it. But in jujitsu, you you you're not striking. Well, most of the time, you're not striking people. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally you do catch a elbow, knee, fingernail, something. You know, something. You know. A little scruff to the face, but not at the high velocity at some of the striking arts. Like you couldn't practice Muay Thai, bare knuckle. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. I I can uh, concur with that. With like Taekwondo, when we were competing, we would go as hard as we could with our partner. But you know, we're not trying to like take their head off with a kick. We're just trying to get a point as fast as we could. And there's some differences that, like, especially when you're practicing. And then in competition, there is knockouts and stuff. But, again, there's rules. So that there's yeah, these rules, rules yeah, yeah, that yeah. Bruce Lee talks about. Like, you have these rules, right? When you compete in Taekwondo, you can only kick to the head. And, and you can punch and kick to the stomach and the chest. Well, that doesn't happen practically. Like, if you keep training that, you're, you're driving this kind of learned response in the nervous system. So when you do have to Very punch to the head, which happened to me, by the way, when I started Muay Thai in 2015... And we started to spar, and then all of a sudden someone's encroaching on my space, like my sparring partner was encroaching on my space, and I could just easily punch them in the head. But I moved back, and I created space to kick. And that that was a consistent problem with me. It it was driven into my nervous system, especially under those stressful situations. The reaction. That was your, that's what you were trained to do. Right. And so, and that was very um, advantageous for the other person, because they can just keep advancing, keep advancing, because then they can clinch. They'll just grab me from moving back, and now I'm fucked, like I'm in the clinch. Well, now now you're in an uncomfortable (laughs) situation. Uncomfortable, uncomfortable position, right? I mean, yeah. So it, and it's so this is what why jujitsu is unique is because you're going to uh, lessen those rules. Yeah, of course we've got rules when we take traditional jujitsu class, like you can't punch or kick the person, but when you engage with a person, you are attempting to set up the submission, right? So when you're doing a full roll, and you're going to go, you know, depending on your partner, you're going to go pretty hard. I mean, that's one thing that Joe Rogan talks about that a lot is. When you do start to roll and you have a partner who is either equal, maybe a little bit more advanced, you're going to go what's close to 100% of your effort level. 
right. to a you know a a variable level of control. Um, and very well said, <laughs> <laughs> a variable level of control. I'm at a very low control level, <laughs> but uh, but no, that that's well said, man. You, you so, so this would kind of mimic if you were to engage in a grappling with a stranger on the street because you, you're you're kind of matching what would essentially happen, not what would happen, but essentially that energy level or that force, right? So your nervous system's going to recognize if that happens uh, unexpectedly, right? Yeah, I mean, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. Oh, no. I was going to cut you off for no reason, but um, <laughs> the, yeah, go ahead, continue. Mm-hmm. It'll hit me. Oh, so jujitsu provides that unique experience for you, and I feel like on reasons why we do it, especially now, like we're both, you know, I turned 40 this year. I'm there already. Eric is there already. <laughs> um, and this is not, this is the, probably the most common thing we, Eric and I both hear when we talk to people who haven't taken it, but they show some sort of interest is their fear of getting injured. Uh, or they say like, I, I have an injury or I have a previous injury. I had an injury 10 years ago. I don't want to get injured again. And it's like, you know, I have this one story, um, you know, with this trainer I know, and uh, he apparently saw on social media that I've competed in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he was asking me a lot about it. So I, I said, you should come by. You should take a class. The first class is free, and it's really fun. And the first answer was, or his response was like, oh, I, I got a labral tear in my hip, and I don't know about that. And it's Well, I mean, Eric and I statistically probably have like 8,000 labral tears in our hips. Right, right. <laughs> Definitely some labral tears, some herniations, some oh, yeah. tear, fraying of tendons. But the main thing is, you know, I think when people say that to us, if there is either fear of injury or there's um, a fear of getting their old injury re-injured, I think it's more about, like, I'd rather not get uncomfortable. Right. Right. I think the majority of the time, including my own, Lee started months before me, and when I heard him talking about it, I was like, "Ah, that's cool, but uh, do I really want to – the why factor, going back to why practice, right? Um, you know, personally, I've always had this kind of void after leaving Kempo Karate. And I always said that, I mean, it's funny, I said this probably on podcast one or two, that I was probably mentally the clearest while I was practicing Kempo Karate. And then, you know, high school happened. But um, mm-hmm. but going back to jujitsu, uh, why I practice? Well, the benefits kind of are limitless. Um First and foremost is getting, being comfortable with, being comfortable with be, being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, putting yourself out there and trying to learn a new skill um, at any age, whether you're, you know, 12, five, two. I, I don't know how young they start. I think five. Five or six usually, yeah. Yeah, so whether you're five or you're 95, um, skill acquisition is, is a must. And I think jujitsu provides, you know, an organized way to learn something new and depending on I guess depending on your environment of your school and your training partners it's definitely safe mm-hmm. um, there are risks involved but there's also risks of running four days a week two days a week one day there's the lift there's risks in lifting strength training there's lifts excuse me risk and going to yoga you know some of your bar classes you know you might you might sprain something right. um, yeah. you know you may slip in the locker room I don't know there's risk to everything, but one thing that Lee put me onto after 
me visiting him the first time in this class, and I'm like, what the fuck? This is fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, this this guy, you know, Lee's getting tossed, and he's tossing people and, and choking people, and everybody, they have this crazy calm look to them as mm. they're doing this, and they're, you know, giving each other five, and, and I asked Lee after class, I said, hey, did, you don't get hurt, mm. right? And he looked at me, and he was like, why are you getting nicked? You can get bumped, but um, tissue tolerance, That's you know, right. tissue. And I was like, oh, okay, tissue tolerance. Well, let's give it a shot. Anyway, mm. your body adapts to mm. the forces out. You know, I, I can't tell you that the first month or two was smooth, and I'll get into that later, but your body does adapt to the stress. And I guess the point that Lee and myself are making here is that there are a lot of reasons why not to participate in activity. And those reasons are often uh, based out of fear and, and ignorance and um, and just, just fear of the unknown, fear of the unknown. And I think something like uh, jujitsu, and I remember you telling me there's something primal about it. Listen, we're all here because at some point in our ancestry, someone had some kind of battle. Yep. You know, whether that is physical, emotional, financial, Bottom line is somebody in that ancestry, and it could have been like your parents, uh, I could definitely speak on my own behalf, had some level of struggle. And um, jiu-jitsu teaches you very acutely that struggle is just a norm, you know, it's a natural process. Mm-hmm. And um, there is always a way out. Sometimes it's creative. Sometimes there's a formula to getting out. And um, jiu-jitsu kind of provides uh, education on both. Now, I'm being somewhat philosophical here. On a technical level, um, it's learning how to move your body, sometimes fast, sometimes slow, in an infinite way. And um, as a physical therapist with my training and with Lee's training, the beauty of this is it's totally unpredictable. You have a set of rules or a set of movements you have in your head, but the truth is... um, It could go any way at any point, and that could be part of you, part of your partner, part of your environment, part of avoiding someone else's foot. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But um, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of life in a nutshell, right? I mean, many of our instructors, both simple and complex, will often say, you know, and and it sounds kind of, um, sounds like we're drinking a lot of jujitsu Kool-Aid right now for sure, but a lot of the analogies in jiu-jitsu could definitely be translated in life. You know, there's always a way out. There is always there's always going to be someone faster or stronger. There's always going to be people that you're going to be able to manipulate quite easily. And, um, yeah, that's jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Going off on a tangent, but. <laughs> no, please. I, I mean, one thing that stuck with me um, that I, that our, last, our, our last guests, Erwin and Rena, Erwin said it best, like I think his business coach told him this, but we've talked about this. You, yeah. you could die tomorrow. You could die tomorrow. Anything can happen. So why aren't you doing what you need to do today or what you want to do today in terms of that, right? Um, and I feel I find the same thing. I find that to explain why I do jiu-jitsu is in the sense that it's something that I find extremely practical, extremely beneficial for my mind, body, and my soul because of what Eric just said in terms of its philosophical carryover to life, but also because of the practicality for me and for me as an aging adult in a place that is not, you know, filled with cushions and, you know, bumpers and people who are not, or people who are nonviolent. It's actually filled with, you know, a lot of people that could do violence and, and 
things that are really, really hard, and life is hard. So it, it, and in addition to that, you know, I'm piling everything <laughs> when you just said it. Right. it. It is it is primal in the sense that like you watch two kids who know nothing. Let's say they're like, I don't know, maybe four or five years old. They're old enough to interact with each other, right? And they don't know any martial arts. They're essentially going to start wrestling with each other. Yes. So, and brothers do this, and, you know, sisters maybe, and um, it's it's a very natural thing. And actually, I, I remember I had one martial arts instructor who said the first martial art ever actually originated in India, and it was a uh, it was way before any other martial arts like karate and kung fu, and it was actually a form of wrestling, grappling and, and, and yeah, grappling, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, but you can think about it, that's what we have. Like uh, those were our tools that we had that you can kind of compete with each other without killing each other, like right. knocking each other out. You can try to wrestle the person, pin them down, and you find that all over the world. There's this documentary or docu series on Netflix. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but they go Fightland. Fightland, yeah. 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 They go around the world, and they end up in uh, somewhere in Africa. They end up in um, uh, Vietnam, all these other places. So there's always some element of wrestling and and grappling, and it is natural for us. So that goes back to another part, like all right, for your own mental health. Yes, like if you can go to rumble boxing and get like a sweat on, but you might risk injury. Uh, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I, every time right, I hear right, right. someone yeah, tells you get me they some go, cool music, the light lights are low. There's a smoke machine. Yeah, going. You don't learn anything. You just, you just, you would get a. I mean, all right, fine. You get to hit a bag for a yeah, while. Yeah, and but. you sweat. And you know what? I think they're tapping into the the surface yes. of it. You know, I I found out early. Sorry to sidetrack again. Nope. Early in my career as a physical, excuse me, as a personal trainer, I think six months into it, one of my coworkers had some pads. And I was like, well, I, I got some pads from karate. <laughs> and I took a kickboxing class, I think, a cardio kickboxing class by mm-hmm. a guy that really, but punch, punch, kick, kick, you know. Anyway, a couple of my new, brand new clients, I remember taking some of my female clients that were in the corporate world, and I did some punching and kick. They felt amazing. I had some mixed results. I had one woman actually break down and cry. Mm. She started punching and she was I was like, what's wrong? And it, it tapped into something. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is a lot of the people that enjoyed this, they were out of a role. In this modern society, you know, we, we hold back a lot. You know, yeah. a lot of times you're in the train, you do want to elbow the person next to you. You might want to punch them or kick them, but we don't, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess practicing martial arts, specifically jujitsu, you get to kind of express that out in a way that at the end of class, you're much, you have much more patience. Yeah. Um, but let's go back. My, my bad. No, this, no, this is perfect. a conversation that's going to go. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's when you do, if you go to like, I'm going to call it like a caloric burn. If you go to like a caloric burn class, that can oh, be. that's a good one. <laughs> any, that could be anything. And that's fine. I, I think I, that is totally fine. If people want to do that, they feel good that's about like it. A fucking good name of a class, dude. Caloric, caloric burn. Because that's that's. I'm, I'm opening it up tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> caloric burn by Lee. Uh, we are going to lift our arms and just jump. And we're gonna jump. We're gonna do any kind of movement. Just you got the trick is the hands got to be up for ten minutes. All right. And the next one, we're gonna put your one knee up. Oh, no, no. But I, honestly, it really doesn't take much to sweat. I was okay. part of the caloric burn crew. I used to make people go up. Do a lot of things to just, just run them around. Literally, just literally, literally run, them run them around, man. And they have fun, and I have fun. But as Lee was, well, we were talking about before this, is that 
often people's body shapes and sizes and behavioral patterns, nothing really changes with this caloric burn. And our body eventually adapts and learns how to burn a little less calories because guess what? It knows it's going to jump up and down for 10 minutes with their arms up. Right. Whereas in an unpredictable environment like um, Brazilian Mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu, you you don't have the neural, you know, you don't have the framework. You you have some fundamentals, but you're constantly reacting to new stimulus, Mm -hmm. um, which is super cool. Yeah. And and has implications on the physio. I mean, I could just speak for myself. I think on the scale, I might have lost anywhere from 10 to 14 pounds-ish. Um, but my, the way I'm moving, the things I feel on my... I don't know. I just feel like a different person um, on many, many levels. And I was asking Lee, I was like, well, I don't know. I'm eating more. I'm not lifting as heavy. I'm not watching my diet. Well, I'm, I've given myself some latitude, you know, certain days of the week. Um, and Lee was like, oh, you nervous system, man. Mm-hmm. You know, our body, you know, your whole... Your body's anticipating, you know, these interactions a few days a week, and it's 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 adapting. Yeah, um, and I feel like that has the biggest change in the nervous system because of its uh, stimulation. Like you're you're literally engaged with someone else, and if you're not drilling and you're rolling, then you have to. Uh, you described it well. Like you have to plan out a scenario that is unpredictable. And it's in reaction base, but under duress, right? So under a stressful situation. So the most stimulation you can get out of the nervous system is pretty much that, as if you have to almost fight your way out. But Literally. You, <laughs> you, you learn how to do that under controlled circumstances. And like you said, there's like a formula and or you're kind of creating your way out of it, but you can use steps. So like, you know, there was, uh, I think it was last night when, I uh, was up against um, the gentleman who we were rolling with, who was a relatively new blow belt, but he's bigger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And strong. he got he got my back, and he got a really strong, secure hold. Right, so he had he locked in a body triangle, which is super uncomfortable. He it. squeezed <laughs> real hard. He's a bigger guy, so like I lost my breath. And then he secured uh, what was going to set up a rear naked choke. And I could have easily just tapped from what he was doing with the body triangle. But I was like, all right, where am I? I'm. I'm. Uh, he's got my back. Where, where's, where's my hands? Where's my head? All right. So I'm going to do step one. Step one for me is see if I can get my head to the ground. Right. And then I have to worry about that body triangle later because I have to first worry about my neck. So I was protecting my neck, getting my head to the ground. And then finally he, I felt him loosen up his body triangle. I was able to switch to the other side, which made him lose that body triangle. Then I nailed my head to the ground. I got control of his one arm. And then I was able to clear the bottom leg, which was like 50% of what it is to escape. And then all of a sudden, I'm in turtle. So now I've, I'm, I'm in a better situation. Yeah, it was so cool, it, though. Yeah. yeah it was, so, but step by step, right? So this was something that uh, he was about to make me unconscious. But what jujitsu has taught me was like, there's a way out of this. I and just got to calm down. I mean, to yeah. a novice in that situation, which we've all been, yep. the first thing would have been to... Um, uh, to panic, really, panic, yeah. or just tap. I mean, I remember when if someone <laughs> someone had my back with it, I'll never forget. It was the second week of class. Guy had my back. I think he just put his arm around me, and I was like, tap. He was like, I don't have anything, dude. And I was like, <laughs> just wanted to tap early. I think I just wanted to tap early. I was like, I feel. And he just looked at me, shook his head. He was like, all right, dude. Uh, and it was, uh, but but again, I mean, what Lee, what Lee is perfectly describing is you're in a situation seemingly with you know no 
options, but Lee just went back down to his algorithm, which was, all right, step one, mm-hmm. I got to do X. And now the person he's working against knew the escape because the person was trained in the same escape. So, But Lee was able to kind of get to step one before he could block that. Right. Um, and that's kind of like life, right? So like you're, yeah. you know, it's, it's tax season now and... It's a little stressful, and Man. if you have your own is business, is it the fifteenth or the? I don't even know. Right, I, don't I just know go. that's gonna <laughs> dump a lot of money real soon. But um, like, and I, I had a moment on Monday. You know, I was, I was at my part-time gig, and I was getting some information from my business pa- partner slash fiance, and I was like, oh man. And then I go through these cycle of anxieties like every other human does. Like, oh, God, now, you know, the next stage you think of is like, now I'm going to be living on the streets and all this. I'll be, I'll be sleeping in the clinic. And can't eat. I can't eat. Yeah. And then all this other stuff. But, but then I take a couple deep breaths. Step one, figure out what, what you needed to do to, to, to get that money. And, and luckily, I have a really um, uh, hardworking business partner and fiance and she is already taking care of step one. And then step two is just, what can I do on my end? Step three is get the documents together. And so it's, then you feel a little less anxious. All right, there's a possibility. It's going to be a little rough for like a month. But what does that mean? Does that mean I could probably order out uh, once in a month besides three times in a month? And is that so bad? No, it's not so bad. Um, taking a, you know, I think jujitsu is similar to life. You take a complex situation and you break it down into parts or mm. steps. And obviously there's some priority to those steps that comes with training. But, you know, the carryover, as Lee's perfectly describing between taxes and, and jujitsu, is, um, <laughs> you know, there's a series. You know, it's not like, you know, the IRS knocks on your door like, hey, 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 it's April 15th. Uh, we need our taxes. No, it's not that. It's, and they're not, you know, you're not going to lose your shirt at least at least in a few months. I mean, you may, yeah. they eventually may catch up with you. But <laughs> um, but again, that fear, and again, same thing in jiu-jitsu, right? Like, there's times, and I, I mean, very recently that, you know, you're thinking of going to class and you're like, oh, man, what am I getting myself into? Why, do I do, why am I doing this? Mm. Shit, I don't know who I'm going to work with today. I don't know. You have all these little conversations, and then when you step in, you're like, all right, I'm training now, mm-hmm. you know? And then you just kind of sit in the saddle. And again, most of life, is kind of an illusion, right? In terms of all the stuff that Lee just mentioned isn't a reality, but our mind kind of playing tricks on us. What jujitsu does is kind of clear the clutter and help you focus on what's in front of you, especially during times of duress. And when things are good, it actually highlights those too. You know, right. I mean, yep. you're able to say, whoa, this is kind of cool. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about my neck. <laughs> I'm not worried about my taxes. Mm-hmm. And you actually enjoy the moment, which, you know, for, for many of us, sometimes is a challenge cause, because those uncomfortable situations seep into everything, right? Mm-hmm. But um, what we're talking here is stress management 101. Exactly. And an added benefit is that you're learning a practical skill. Uh, you're learning a practical skill. And if you're going to sit here and tell me, like, you don't need to learn that because it's not going to ever happen to you, I, I, I've said this before on the podcast, and... You better go play the fucking lottery because you think you're going to win and not have to do anything for the rest of your life. That's not the case. At least one in five people encounter a violent situation in their yes. lifetime. And unfortunately, what what if that one time that you do, your family's involved? What if that one time you do, your life is at uh, at risk? Then yeah. And the probability, by the way, by learning any martial arts, specifically jujitsu, let's say, 
the likelihood of you getting an into, into an altercation is drastically reduced for a variety of reasons. Yep. The first and foremost, when someone, the, the people that we interact, I mean, the, the, the MMA gentleman we just were in the locker room with mm-hmm. uh, less than an, about an hour ago, mm-hmm. these guys have a certain air, just like anybody, the pri- a, a sev- certain level of confidence mm-hmm. that you are not, for some reason, you're less likely to be a target. Right. Number two, you're going to be avoiding those circumstances because you know what it is. You know the reality. You don't ever want to get an altercation. Many no. people that haven't practiced martial, oh God, you like fighting. The least thing I hate. I, I'm not a. I'm not a. I don't consider myself a fighting. Per- I don't enjoy fighting. I do enjoy practicing. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy the mental work. I do enjoy the physical, the physicality of it, and the, the me- everything about it. Just the mind, body, spirit. I enjoy, but mm. not to smash people. Um, I've no. been smashed, and I might have been on the top. You know, a very small amount of times. But the point I'm trying to make is, as Lee was saying, 20% of people will have some kind of altercation in their life. And it's better to be prepared than not prepared. But you'll probably be likely on that 80% of people that won't get involved just because you have this information. And people sense it, right? I mean, not that, you know, you're like the perfect weapon or something. But at the same token, you just... I'm polite with everybody. I'm polite with people that are not polite with me. And I got I get pissed when people aren't polite. But then I say, you know what? Just going back to Hensel Gracie. Mm-hmm. You know, don't let anybody change the way you are, the person you are. And and anyway, you, you're you're just much more mindful of others. And and I think I mean within within many martial arts disciplines, respect is a is a core tenet. Um, respect of others, respect of your training partners, respect of just the world in general, man. So. Yeah. I think we would be in a better situation if, I mean, I think some countries do have this, but having everybody martial, take yeah, martial arts, everybody, everybody, I, everybody I should. I mean, it. Yeah, I think it. It would really. Uh, it would give people a different perspective. You know, there was that story that um, it was a Harley Flanagan. Yes. That, yeah. 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 Um, the oh, uh, lead singer, of the Cro-Mags. He, he he was on many podcasts, and there was one podcast was the Grappler one. Uh, yeah, yeah, Grapplers and I um, can't remember the name of the. I'll get it now. Go but he it. he was on it and he was telling a story. He we, similar to why we're talking about because he's a black belt at Henzo's. He teaches um, kids. the kids, yeah. and uh, yeah, I won't go into the what he, the story he's known for. But he he told a story to this uh, podcast host that was really interesting to me. I mean, this guy. He's he grew up in a, a very violent time in New York. Lower he, East Side, homeless, he, well, you name it. I yeah. Mean, yeah, and he definitely has been in a lot of scuffles, a lot of violence, and he talks about it publicly. And he's also now black belt in jujitsu, so he knows he knows how to subdue people and defend himself. Obviously, he was in a, a situation I think in Times Square in the subway station. Yes, with his son. With his son, and some person was giving him trouble, and it was obvious that it could escalate to some fighting thing. And they were near the um, platform, and he said something to the effect of, "I don't, I don't remember exactly, but he's like, you know, he realized what was happening. He realized he was with his son, and he played out the scenario. He's like, you know what, man, why don't you go home and have a good night? We're gonna go home and have a good night. Why don't you do the same and be safe?" And he walked away, and he talked about. He's like, "I can imagine what what happens if that guy pulls out whatever he does. And he throws me on the platform, and I die. My son's standing there by himself. Right. What happens if he pulls out a gun and he?" takes a couple steps back and shoots me. Then my son's there by himself, and he shoots my son. So he played those scenarios out, and he's right. I mean, you don't know. And he had a friend 
who was a black belt in jujitsu that huh? got killed because he engaged with one guy and there was a friend who just shot him while he was on the ground. Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's, it's, you it's, just it's, don't know. But I guess my point is, is uh, this uh, jujitsu gives you information about how to read the situation, right? It gives you information how to read the situation. And it gives you a little bit more comfort on how to manage that because you're going to not only use your stress management skills in those situations, but you're also, if needed, going to be able to get yourself away from those situations. And that could be meaning that could mean that you use jujitsu to get yourself out of this person's grasp and run, or you somehow have to subdue this person if they're alone, if you're in the right environment. Who knows? I mean, we're we're only like a couple of years in, but what I'm saying is. It at least gives you a starting point. You have to start somewhere, and it's a practical martial art, especially for what well, we already listed uh, the mental benefits and uh, stress management benefits, but there's physical benefits and definitely self-defense benefits. The practicality is endless. The practicality, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of the most elite forces in the United States and elsewhere in the, in the world, uh, along with law enforcement, um, have studied... Many of these techniques that I know the Gracies, Henner. um, Henner's big on this. You know, he has a whole combative series with law enforcement and how there's countless of videos. If you Google like law enforcement, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, BJJ, you'll you'll see that a lot of altercations that police officers have um, are controlled and they're not they don't necessarily have to use a firearm or a lot of violence just with some of these holes. So, you know, we talk about putting people to sleep and killing them with chokes or breaking limbs. The truth is it can be used as a restraint. Most of the time it's used as a restraint. Right. Um, there's a cool video. You might have shown it to me. Mm. There was a female in heels in Brazil that caught a, a robber that was running away, and know. she had him in a rear naked choke oh, for like, I did see like that. about yeah, seven yeah. minutes, and oh, she basically shit. handed the guy to the police officer, kind of just, you know, and just walked away with her heels on. Right. So, I mean, this is, you know, the benefits of this. And, and again, who who's doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Obviously, the sport of jiu-jitsu has exploded. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people are doing it for fun. But the practicality of it, uh, I would say for any fem- kids, females, older individuals, I mean, just to give you a sense of the reality, the scenario, and have a plan. Have a soft plan. I mean, again, we live in New York. Just today, it was on the train and um, waiting for the one. And I'm in my own space going to Henzo's. And I was on 42nd Street. I had to get off on 34th. I had to wait. And, like, something in my little spidey senses heard this guy kind of talking to himself, maybe about seven feet away. So I kind of looked over eh, mid to low threat level, right, in my head. Mm kept them back we're boarding the train and there was a, a mta worker with like a, a vest right you know they have the neon vest and the guy that was talking to himself went right up to the back of the guy's head uh. and went like this oh and didn't hit him didn't hit him uh. feigned it but still now matt if that happened to you or me and someone's swinging behind I, mm. right mm. now I moved away i was like i'm not gonna get on that train mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna go on another train stop mm-hmm. but again I've always been kind of situationally aware, but it's heightened. Right now, if anybody's behind me, mm. I freak out just because, you know. I, I, taking the back. Yeah, taking the back. I <laughs> want to know what the hell's going on behind me because it doesn't feel good to, to be attacked from the back. Yeah. But 
you know, today was a perfect example. You know, this guy was making some gestures that didn't recognize my pattern. I didn't like it. Yeah. And then, like, two seconds later, he, like, feigned that he was going to punch the guy in the back of the head. That's Something crazy. that a normal person does not do and no. is not recommended anywhere in the world. No. Because, you know, if the guy would have just, like, turned around, it would have just... I mean, it's crazy. This is mm. how people die. But um, back to your point. Mm. Critical skill at any level, at any age, at any gender practice <laughs> right yeah it and uh you mentioned it before we started but this is also a huge thing it when you're doing jujitsu i think the reason why it's a little bit more um it's <laughs> i don't know how to say it, but i guess this is implicated more in jujitsu than it is in regular sport um because the consequence of not improving or not learning the skill of ju- oh, of jiu-jitsu yes. is high so like you'll know right away in jiu-jitsu like um i'll i'm doing better or i'm doing worse because i just got choked out like 12 times or like i'm just maintaining and you have certain partners that you continually roll with and you're like oh i did well with them today and maybe i'm improving here I, I did worse with whatever but it keeps you on check versus like let's say you do like a general workout like you do the elliptical do you elliptical. do the caloric burn workout no you elliptical Three days a week, mm-hmm. and no, no offense to anybody out there that uses the elliptical. I love just it. Just came, you know. I <laughs> definitely before actually, that's what I do for my conditioning, man. It's my big secret for BJJ. I, I elliptic. Uh, I go on the elliptical <laughs> seven days a week. No, no, but um, no, you, three days a week you go on the elliptical. Mm-hmm. You get that caloric burn. I'll let leave take it from here. So what happens? Yeah, so you get that caloric burn. You could do that for years, three days a week, and never really go out of your comfort zone. You're always kind of maintain the same heart rate, same thing. Don't change how you do it, how long you do it, whatever. You play, Just, yeah. most importantly, you're careful. You're very careful. Right. Play it safe. You don't want to get injured. Um, you know, go through life, uh, maybe gain a little weight, maybe lose a little weight, you know, whatever. Um, several years down the road, there's very little consequence to that. You're not going to, like... All of a sudden, go out onto the street and your Achilles tendon is going to rupture because you did too little elliptical or too much elliptical. It's very, you know, elliptical is a very benign exercise for that for that matter. Um, but jujitsu, on the other hand, there's consequences are high for not being not improving, but also not learning the skill of jujitsu because you'll just be continually met with the same barriers oh, every man. time you go. And but also you you won't get any feedback. I'm oh, sorry. You, you'll get feedback. You'll get you'll get you get, get a lot of feedback. <laughs> you get a lot I, of I'm feedback. gonna I'm gonna be. Lee finishes his thought. I'm gonna be my. I'm gonna be the example of this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we probably sees in the last three weeks. There's very no. You know, there's repetitive I, I honestly, patterns. man, I see a lot of improvement. Like I remember when you used to roll um, when you were a white belt, and there's way different strategies now. Like you you submitted me a, a several times solidly. And uh, it's really, really different now. It, it's it's really good. And it's very hard for me to do any passing. There's many times where I, I'm not able to pass. I got to thank all my all those partners on that damn shit. white belt, Matt. The last month or two <laughs> was treacherous, but it's paid off. But I, what Lee's talking about, I, I, I've lived in terms of like you go to jujitsu, you think you're learning. Outside life interrupts, right? And then at least talking about these consequences with this activity. Like, for instance, if you had a late night, you had a couple of extra drinks, you ate crap, you didn't eat well, you were a little stressed out. When you get on the elliptical for 20 or 30 minutes, 
you're not gonna maybe you cut your workout short for five minutes mm. maybe you scratch the elliptical because you're too hungover whatever it is mm-hmm. fat you know put yourself on the mat in bjj you any of those activities that i just mentioned you are acutely aware of your inability to perform um to react mm. to endure to to survive really and then fast forward, let's say you're not practicing frequently. Let's say, like, you know, you get on the mat and you, again, like Lee said very uh, clearly, you know, you have the same, similar partners and, you know, you can do X, Y, and Z and now all of a sudden this partner is managing you or you're just, you're not, you're doing the same, I mean, again, same patterns, worked with partners on the white belt level there and they would just smash me and I would try the same crap again. And, say, and finally I was like, I guess that's not working. You know, like after like a week of just getting smashed, yeah. you're like, well, I got to I gotta look at some videos. Mm-hmm. I got to start writing some notes. I got to start drilling with a different partner. Or I got to pull the teacher aside and say, hey, this is going on. So it forces you to progress, uh, to want to progress. And again, I, I guess this is why a lot of people quit. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to share a video, a Bluebell video from Henner. Henner had this oh, cool yeah. little video. And he talks about, you know, I think the, the attrition, excuse me, the dropout ratio based on the data that he had was something like 90%. 90? Yeah, man. I thought it was, oh, my God. So, so that's, this was, I, this is, I think, based in Torrance, and I think still. this is based on, and what his his logic, I mean, this was talking about moving too quickly in class. Now, we come from a school here in Henzo's that, you know, day one, you're going to be sparring. Um, yeah. And there's... You know, there's a it's controversial to it, somewhat controversial. I think some schools will require X amount of months or certain competencies and basic movement patterns. I kind of like the Henzo approach, where you know you swim or you sink. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, to Hanner's defense, we we do lose some people that will probably benefit from uh, from practicing. It, it would be the equivalent of someone starting to work out have a real tough workout and say, this really isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's some some logic in trying to start slowly, but there's some there's a huge benefit to getting thrown in the water and saying, hey, here's some tools, here's a life raft, being, you could tap. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a couple of rules, and um, let's, let's, let's swim, you and know? There's also a skill involved with that too, right? Yes. So like what they're trying to say is that you're, you might have to just put aside... Well, you, every day you have to do this when you do jiu-jitsu, but you put aside your ego. But um, they try to. Te- I think that's what they try to teach yes. you early on. Like, listen, it's your. I remember my first class ever was King of the Hill. Oh, and, <laughs> and I will never forget. Um, that's crazy, man. Uh, Raphael's face, and he was like, well, "You could, you could do it, or you don't. It's up to you. Like, you could totally <laughs> not do it." He's, basically, what he was trying to say to me was like, "It's fine. And there's other people who were just starting. You're not going to do it. Right. You could sit to the side." And I was like, "I'll do it." Um, but oh, it, it, what they're trying to show you is like there is that choice and, and it's all up to you in a sense that you're not going to lose anything because that one day is not going to dictate your rest, the rest of your jiu-jitsu career, which hopefully would last a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably better if you feel really uncomfortable not or if you feel really uncomfortable doing it, then sit out. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Just you have to be OK with that yourself. Never mind what anyone else thinks. And they usually, no one really cares. They're just like, oh, it's their first day. (laughs) No one cares. Um, I mean, I'll share this with the advanced situation. You know, my first experience as a blue belt a few weeks back 
I um had you know they they do start sparring matches in standing and I had never done a full mm-hmm. standing spar and I was like, "Well, let me start on the knees, you know, and that's and I did that, you know, and everybody that I worked with was like, "Oh, that's fine, man. Let's start on the knees. That's cool." And Fabian, uh, who, who we know and love well, Fabian was like, "Why? Why are we gonna? Why don't we just start standing?" And I told him, I said, "Well, I haven't practiced that." Much. <laughs> so he looked at me. He was like, "Fuck you! Think what? What do you think we're doing, man? We're not fighting. I mean, this is practice, right?" And I was like. And I was like, yeah. And it made complete sense. And today I told him, you know, I, today I worked with Fabian and, mm-hmm. and I told him, um, I was like, you know, it made perfect sense. He was like, yeah, man, you know how to pull guard. You know how to, you know how to, you know how to get to the floor. I mean, you know, you'll learn some moves and, and it made some sense. And, um, and it was cool, man. It, it's cool starting with Lee. Lee took me down last week surgically. <laughs> he took me down like a, yo, your takedown felt like Gary's takedown because he took me out quick. And he gave me a little soft landing. Like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, fuck, I'm okay, but what what just happened? I, I, I didn't expect it to happen so quick. That's it, why I stopped it. I was like, whoa. It, it was such a such a surgical. I think he did like you you pushed, you offloaded my limb, picked me up, and then took out my leg. I took out one leg, yeah. yeah. It was a single leg. Um, single leg, but with a takeout. So the leg yeah. was wide and you just cut right into exactly. it, it was it was surgically done, but Thanks, the man. point, the point, the point, <laughs> the point is, is like, uh, I just lost my point. Practice, you know, oh, the point is kind of just jumping in, right? right? Jumping in and you learn that way. And um, the last couple of weeks have been really not only humbling, but also reassuring that, you know, you get to a certain point. Now it's like, this. I think as a white belt, I think there was a lot of, in my head, my own judgments, like they're watching me, they're judging me. And mm-hmm. it got it, it went away for a while, then it got worse as I became quote an advanced, whatever this means. I don't to I don't know what advanced means, but hmm. as I was an advanced person, I felt like I had to defend my stripes, which mm. really didn't work out well because there was a lot of people that had just started, let's say, one or two stripes, and they were kicking my ass, and they were, and I was like, I was letting my ego get involved, and yeah. in this room, it's a bit different because, I mean, you know, some of our, some of the a lot of people in the room are professional fighters, and mm-hmm. um, they have nothing. To, they're not playing with us either, but um, it's just a whole different ball game. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to this part of the journey. Yeah, so I mean, they, they the, that's the biggest concern, right? So, like when we talk about ego, and it's if you go in there as a, a brand new beginner, and you want to like let's say if they do king of the hill and you're given a choice and you do it then understand that your body's going to go through a new stress oh man and you also learn this is what i tell my patients too whoever ever asked me about it and who is interested in it is it's going to be a new stress to the body but be reassured your body is resilient and you also have control of the positions that you get into right so if you choose to go into the king of the hill scenario it's semi-sparring right so somewhat positional sparring, then you're going to probably get into positions that you really have never really done before. Yes, yes. Um, you're going to get sore in places you never thought you could be sore. Right. And you're going to seemingly think you have these injuries. I mean... Right. So st- statistically, yeah. you, you're not going to get injured. You're just going to feel uh, being banged up, different spots. Banged up. I mean, I, I could definitely attest to the first month and not to scare anybody away. But there were times where, you know, mm. I didn't, my shoulder didn't feel so hot, you know, because I did a front roll and 
pretty much dived into the floor. <laughs> you know, I would dive into the floor with my shoulder, and the teacher was like, come here. Yeah. Uh, you, the point is to not hit the shoulder. You want to roll and roll. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you, you get it. Or, you know, you fight off a submission when you really shouldn't have fought it. Right. Yeah, um, that, that's a big one. I feel like it's, especially for a beginner, this is some just some advice that I learned the hard way is if you get caught in a, especially in a white belt class where the people don't really know how to secure really uh, skillful <laughs> submissions. No, they're just trying to take your arm off or head yeah. off or leg off or whatever. Just tap. I mean, just just tap and reset, yeah. and it's it's okay if you know you feel a little bit bad about it, but you're gonna have your arm tomorrow. Yeah, it's such such an important. Again, it's um probably the most humbling experience of my life, because again, I had a certain perception of how I would react to certain situations and how I could quote defend myself, and I'm strong and I deadlift and I could run and jump and all that. But the truth is. I learned very early on we should not be, I mean, this is a universal thing of judgment, right? But, you know, I made some assumptions with some of my training partners. I sought out, I like kind of looked around the room and I'm like, well, this guy doesn't have any stripes. Uh, he's a little smaller. He's a little bigger. Doesn't look athletic. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe he's a little, oh, looks a little out of shape. I was checked <laughs> the hardest way. Tony the Crusher, wherever you are. Oh, uh, yeah. Tony the Crusher, man. I'll never forget him. him, man. He just mauled me. Um, <laughs> but again, what what this came down to was me not understanding the reality of the situation, and I was quickly quickly found out that, oh, this is going to be a little more difficult than I thought. Now, yeah. what did that mean? I remember Tony the Crusher, I had him in a certain position, the dominance. He was like, do something. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I just could pin him. I was just laying on. I was just holding him inside control. He's like, try something. And I was like, I don't know. He was like, dude, YouTube. Check YouTube. And I was like, oh. This is pre-submission this learning. This is pre-submission learning. That's this hilarious. was like eight class, six classes in maybe. Oh, and we're, we're drilling. And um, does that, you know, it, was, it was wild, man. Tony, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. I hope to see you again, man. I'm in a different place now. Not to say you still can't crush me, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting working with that gentleman. But it, it again, it taught me a lot. The humility factor of one of our professors said was teaching us the self defense technique to a headlock. And you know, we drill, we drill, we drill. Then the professor said, "Okay." It was uh, Professor Z. He was like, "Now for the reality of the situation, partners." Really headlock the person. And right. This is the position I want you. And then all that quote, you know, the plan. The plan when you have a person uh, putting a lot of pressure on you changes. Oh yeah. So that's that's the key thing that we experience right day to day. It's like, all right, here's the technique we're gonna drill. Now let's see if it works. And so you're constantly rechecking. There's no proposed scenarios. Like, in, and again, we're not knocking traditional martial arts, but when I was in Taekwondo, it's like. You learn these forms that are these proposed scenarios, um, and mainly the other traditional part of it is like for sparring. So we have to um, kind of plan out a sequence of events that could happen during sparring, um, but everybody's on the same page there. It's not on the street. But on, if we right. did self-defense, it was always like, well, we don't really like, all right, really try to choke the person or really try to punch them in the face right. or whatever it is or really try to knife them. Um, it's rare that you could practice it as much with, with grappling because grappling, you can secure that hold and be like, all right, can I get out of this? 
instead of like you know working with a fake knife or something and be like oh I think I stabbed you but I'm not sure well shock knife I I heard about those things I've never used yeah. have you heard about those well there's different types you have the rubber one and then you have the one that retracts that work with those you're talking about knives or yeah not like the sh- yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, self defense with the knife I, I've yeah. heard of the shock knife. I don't, oh, I don't crazy. know the shock knife. So they yeah, like shocks if, you if the if blade touches, touches you. you. Oh, interesting. So the whole idea is, you know, you avoid that blade. So <sighs> that's crazy. I mean, I've heard yeah. some schools deal with this. I heard some crazy podcasts, and the podcast, oh, excuse me, the the name of the podcast that had uh, Harley there it was uh, the Grappling Central podcast, which Gap- is a cool Grappling one. Central, yeah. And he was talking about this particular school. This guy that owns a school believes in. Um, heavy self-defense and they believe in surprise attacks so at any point when you're training oh is this tony blair n- oh, fuck. i follow this guy tony blair it sounds like that 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 guy he's supposed to be real good this guy what the hell is this guy josh marty cat rory you know it's called jamal hill no And I might have deleted it because I heard it. But the uh, Blower, you know, Alex... Tony Blower is one dude. Uh, he has something called the Spear Self-Defense. Um, and if you watch some of the videos that he has, it's pretty crazy. Steve Austin, I think. Steve Austin? Is that the wrestler? I think he's around. <laughs> fuck is this, man? Anyway, this gentleman believed in surprise attacks. So... Him in his school, at any point, someone could just try to attack you. Wow. And you could be rolling. Let's say people are rolling. They might just take out a knife and throw it on the floor, and whoever grabs the knife could use it on the other person. What? Yeah, so, and you the know, the shock knife. knife. Yeah, uh, so, but again, he what uh, his whole premise is, as Lee and I are talking about, is to condition yourself on reactions, right? Mm-hmm. And And constantly, you know... You could be getting a drink of water. Next thing you know, someone's like, you know, kicking out your leg. It's a little much. I, I mean, mm. thinking of it now, I don't know how comfortable. I mean, I'm already high strung. I don't know how crazy it would be walking in class. But, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> yeah, you're looking, man, you're looking around your in. back. You're but, just basically uh, conditioning the person to that environment. So right. You're right, just like right, exactly. But I mean, they're, they're 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 ready. This guy's ready. Um, back to our, our back to where we were. Yeah. I, so. Overall, the, the, you've got the practicality of jiu-jitsu, you've got the, the mental benefits, obviously the physical benefits, the primal nature of it, but then you have the fear of injury, right? The risk of injury that everyone always talks about and they're scared of. There's there's a risk for anything, you know, of course, but jiu-jitsu in particular, you know, the whole idea of submissions besides the strangles are joint breaks, is to, to break a joint, to break the shoulder, the elbow, the wrist, the knee, the ankle. Uh, I don't. I'm not familiar because I'm a, a beginner, but I don't know if there's like a hip break. But I'm sure there is. Um, but you, there's a level of control, and you have to communicate with your partner. And let's say if you have you go in there and you have a pre-existing injury or you have a concern with a joint, then you can express that to your partner. I have been with many, many partners who start the session with, "Do you have any injuries?" Do you are you do you need me to look out for anything? And you can you can just say that to the person like right. I I can't you know I can't go down on this knee or like just watch out for this knee, uh, and you'll still get some benefit from the yeah. class. I mean I I was advised from a smart man not to say this, but when I got into this advanced class, I would kind of start off with hey, 
I'm a new blue belt. I'm a new blue belt. No, and uh, uh, that that's probably not the best. And like, oh, I'm gonna fucking smash this guy. But yeah. um, I would say that's my whole knee thing. Or I would say, hey, you know, like, yeah, I would say something to that effect. Mm-hmm. That not that that's helped me, but um, a lot of the more advanced guys. Then I, I mean, I, the first week, I think my first day, I worked with a guy that was a black belt, mm-hmm. and he was super. You know, he. he he didn't take it easy on me, but at the same token, he—I he, shouldn't say that—he definitely took it easy on me. He—he <laughs> he basically, but but you know, he still got his work in, and I was still able to work, and I learned. And same thing with the brown belt gentleman we know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, completely, I was a rag doll, but at the same, a, a very control rag doll. Working with these guys at a higher level, they have nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. If anything. As Lee told me many times, most of the people there, they want to teach. They want to learn and they want to teach. Right. And um, even today, the older gentleman I was working with at the end of class, he's, he was watching me roll with you. And he's like, hey, watch watch giving you back. You know, put you in. And it was, it was so, those words that people just, those one-liners that people give you is what, what it's all about. Right. You know, about learning. Learning how to move a little differently. Learning how to protect yourself a little differently. And, and most importantly... The one thing I think that's happening for me, uh, finally, is the fun aspect of it is kicking in, where it's now becoming, oh, shit, there's a little physical chess match. Let me try that. Let me try this, as opposed to just thinking of judgment. And it's mostly, it's all self. Nobody gives a shit. Even our professors, they want to see you do well. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, they don't care. You know, they don't, you know, they, they, they want to see you do well, but at the same token, there's no judgment. Right. And that that's a huge thing. I was gonna get to that, and I, you you said it perfectly. Is that like the fun aspect of it? It it is the most fun thing in the world, and there's a there's a, such a strong community of jujitsu that you know it, it's so funny if you just meet somebody and they do jujitsu, everyone has yeah. the same reaction. Oh, like you just <laughs> fucking start talking about yeah. jujitsu, and, yeah. and and it's just hour. By the way, that could link up. That could turn into hour. Oh, yeah, exactly. Easily talk about everything. You know what's popular in jujitsu, and I have a um, that trainer that I mentioned before. Um, she, her boyfriend does jujitsu, and I and she's interested in it. So I talked to her about it, and um, it's just it's just a fun thing. And that's where I go back to like there has to be some sort of thing written in our DNA about this, and it makes sense. Like uh, Henzo Gracie always posts these great videos of uh nature things so nature videos oh, man. and you watch like these uh you know, big cats it's not just lions but like leopards whatever and they'll take down um a prey and they'll it, use what looks like jujitsu they'll basically take them down by their neck and uh subdue them from the back or whatever and i think there's there's something within that there's an intelligent way for combat in jujitsu that uh, a human being can do to another human being if need be. And what m- most recently, <laughs> that uh, great story out of Colorado of that guy oh. killing the mountain lion with a stranglehold. I mean, that is the most, I mean, to me, I was like, of course, yeah, he used a stranglehold to kill this guy. But he probably had a, uh, you know, if you look at the, uh, the reenactment and him telling the story, he tried many other things before he start- did the stranglehold. But he was able to kind of, do step by step the stress management. All right, what do I need to do to get my hand out of his mouth and get out of the situation? Well, and- he had. I mean, he had the most, most fight or flight. You know, this is. It wasn't a BJJ class, right? This was for real. This is He's life being killed, or death. life or death. But went through the. And you know what? The guy was a runner, so I'm going to give him a little higher um, brain octane. You know, that sure. blood is flowing through his head, 
And um, I would love to know what he did for work. I, obviously, I thought he was a BJJ practitioner. I thought so, too. I, that's what yeah, they that's said. What, initially, but, that's what it was. But yeah. I think this guy, Hannah, and his brother... They actually offered him. I think you I sent me that. the video. Yeah, they, they offered um, him to come out for like a year free. Yeah, or a whatever. year free. But he would be a great advertising tool. Yeah. But you know, the the truth is, um, hopefully, none of us are in a mountain lion scenario. No. And I don't want to test my BJJ skills with a lion. That's for no. damn sure. Thing was it's supposed to. It was a baby too. It was a young. Well, so the, baby. The, did you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast where no. they no no it, no? It was the fight companion, and they and Joe Rogan was like, "Oh, it's eighty pounds, cat." And then they started looking up, and they're like 40. 80, 40, and he was sick, maybe old. I don't, and they were like, "Well, he was a big cat." Was, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> he was a big fucking, fucking forty. Cat. Listen, man, forty. A wild animal. Yes, it could be ten pounds. A wild animal coming at you. I mean a raccoon. Let's just put a raccoon. If a raccoon's coming at you, what are you gonna do? You're fucked. You're fucked. You better kick. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you're gonna do. We don't. We don't go over that in class. I mean, I'm scared of my house cat, yeah. and that thing is domesticated. I was just talking to Gato <laughs> about having cats, and um, I don't know uh, Johnny, one of um, my little son's friends, somebody, somebody in the family got a cat, mm-hmm. and um, it's a kit, and it was like, you know, they were like, oh, I want Johnny to play with it. It's like a little doll. And I was like, uh, eh, I'm not really, I'm into kittens, but cats overall are kind of, yeah, yeah, overall cats are kind of unpredictable. That's why I don't like them. Very unpredictable. You know, they're unpredictable. And I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with like walking in the kitchen and have a cat just jump on your fucking head <laughs> or your <laughs> foot, attack, yeah. you know, and attack. And that's what I'm thinking, right? I mean, I've watched enough videos to see how cats attack. <laughs> so anyway, uh, even with a house cat, man, house cats could be very dangerous. I'll never forget. Uh, I I grew up with a lot of German shepherds and cats, and uh, I was young and I was out in the backyard, and we have woods where my parents uh, used to live, and there was a suspected mountain lion oh, shit. in the back because I think it was a mountain lion because it was just weird noises and like growling and stuff, and there was some spotting. There, they, uh, people around had spotted and reported to the. Uh, police and stuff like that so they were looking for it and so one night we were out and uh, we have our german shepherds were really big they were like over 100 pounds and their bark was really loud and you have this weird conception in your head like oh they'll they'll be able to protect anything mm-hmm. and or protect themselves and my father was like if that's a mountain lion even if it's like 20 30 pounds it would kill one of those dogs or both of them at the same time and he's like you don't understand the difference between a wild animal and a domesticated, and a domesticated animal and then if you think about it now it's like they're the wild animal even though it's smaller in size their constant level of stress that's out and you know in the wild is obviously way different to their nervous system than our, you know us patting and squishing the, the domesticated animal yeah, and giving them a treat yeah. yeah give me your paw <laughs> and the thing is all like you know you I got to fucking up. eat I got to fucking I got to eat I got to eat I got to kill and um you know the level their tissues will not break down unless it's significantly stressed you know what I mean they they, they have a high tissue tolerance as uh, like, I like that that uh, that 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 line. tissue tolerance is cool man it's huge um, but yeah, I don't know. BJJ, it's fun. It's primal. It's practical. It's, it, you know, I'm very biased towards it. I think anybody could do it. Um, injuries can occur, but they can occur with everything. If you manage your, um, let's see, there's so many things you have to manage to do anything athletic wise successfully. But sure. if you're managing your sleep, your diet, and your mobility and your strength, then you'll b- probably have a good time with BJJ. Yeah, and I think 
that goes, you know, all of those key um, points that you, uh, Lee, that goes for anything, right? Anything, but I yeah. think the difference in BJJ as opposed to um, volleyball um, or basketball or running or tries, whatever you want, whatever you're into, um, is against the consequence, right? So if you do have a little lack of mobility, if, you know, you don't have that cardiovascular kind of reserve, if you don't have a level of explosion, um, you know, these things are acutely, they acutely surface when you're practicing. So, um, you know, and we're all different. You know, again, you know, working with the kaleidoscope of people here at Henzo's, there's people that are faster, people that are younger, people that are stronger, mm-hmm. people that are slower, people that are less athletic, people that get winded easier. The bottom line is you adapt to them all. And you know what? You help each other along the way. Whether you're, you know, you're the low man on the totem pole, you're actually helping the more advanced practitioners sharpen their skills. Yeah. Um, and actually it's, I think Henzo actually talks about the benefit of working with uh, different lower belt, you, yeah. your lower belts or people that even if they're the same belt, you know, they're, you're able to manage them that, you know, it, it helps. It Definitely. helps. It keeps you very accountable as a human being. Yes. And I think that's the key thing as you get older because you take a lot of things for granted when you're young. You can't take things for granted in jiu-jitsu. And that, that's a very, uh, life les- a very good life lesson that I think applies to everybody and will also make you a better human being for it. Small things, right? Kind yeah. of the small things like grip, position, even intention, right? Your mm-hmm. mindset. I mean, I, I've walked into many a classes with... Uh, I would call a very wrong mindset in terms of, you know, just just fear, really. I mean, mm-hmm. it comes down to fear and just kind of, oh, I don't want to get, first, I don't want to get hurt. Second, I wanna, you know, I had all these, these, these rules in my head and um, that didn't work out well as opposed to, hey, I know what I know. I'm going to have fun today. I'm mm-hmm. going to learn. I'm going to, hey, let me just enjoy. Let me get a good sweat. And call it a day, you know, and that that mindset makes a whole day, or the intention of I'm going to work on X position or X move, X submission, and um, that makes a huge difference too. Because when you have that intention, you're you're hunting, you know, mm-hmm. it, you're very specific in your training. Um, and, and I, I mean, this is I'm kind of reaching here because there's no evidence whatsoever to this stuff. Because I think, well, I I don't know why there isn't. Probably people don't want to study this stuff. But I, I feel jujitsu does something to the brain that people are finding now that is super important for when we get older to prevent dementia and early onset uh, dementia, which is stimulate certain aspects of your mindfulness with movement, but to the extent of systematizing it, right? So we have to, obviously, when we break down a movement, we have to see it happen uh, or not necessarily. We could be told what we need to do. We told a position to start it and how to end and then tell the steps in between there but to make that happen you have to formulate those synapses all right you have to fire those synapses and you have to formulate how complex you have to go because i'll never forget how it felt to when we saw like a really basic pass or a hold it looked so foreign to me and oh god yes and now it's like there's been some expansion of what i can tolerate in terms of the uh the actual plan in my my brain. Yes, yes. Now it's like, all right, I can I I don't need to remember steps two A two B. I just need to remember step one, three C and four B and maybe the F series. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, and that that's a big difference in the last few weeks. You know, coming from a basic class to the advanced. The advanced class, 
has like I don't know three to four different pieces of it. A lot of assumptions on what you should know already. Mm-hmm. Number one, and you know they he you know our, our um, instructor kind of goes over it two maybe three times, gives you key pieces of information, uh, but that's it. You know, and and sometimes in the beginner class. It might have went over it four times, five mm-hmm. times. And again, it was like a one, two, three. Whereas in the advanced class, it's like one A, one B, one, two A, two B. Right. Two, you know, so that complexity, but as Lee said perfectly, and just in three weeks, um, the shift in like, okay, I got this. Because it was a little overwhelming day one. I was like, hey, first <laughs> week, shit, first year, first two, you know, it's going to be years before this. And yeah. there's never, this is the beauty of BJJ. Yeah, there's a level of quote mastery, but if you talk to some of the people at the top of the food chain, they're continually learning, yeah. and that is, by the way, one of the key things. You know, I, Lee and myself, and I'm speaking for you, but I know that you'll agree. Mm. We would consider ourselves to be lifelong learners, and when I am oh, yeah. n- not, and I'm kind of in this place right now where I mean, obviously I'm practicing BJJ, I do a lot of reading. But in terms of like sitting in a classroom, I miss that. You know, I do miss learning is our thing. BJJ is a way because you're constantly learning new stuff yeah. about yourself, about you know the art, about your partners, about your training partners. You know, it's a it's a big it's a big deal. Yeah, I, that's interesting, and I I think that's a key thing that um, you know you see these things after they be become studied for they they're studied for a little while like in the new york times they'll, they'll post it but i think that in and itself is what keeps our brain young is that yes we can yes. keep learning new skills but it has to be in this learning environment like a class where you have to almost be you know the the typical classes like you have a high a high level proficient teacher ma- master whatever it is then you have a, a group of students and those groups of students uh, should be ranging, right? You have someone who's very highly proficient, and then you have someone who's very behind you. Mm-hmm. They're very lowly proficient. Yeah, and I'm then, there, man. And then, <laughs> 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 I'm at the back of the fucking food chain. But no, it's. But then you're in between. You could be in between, right? At some so point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to see them like they're they're not able to uh, grasp it right away, and then you get to see the the highly proficient people. Like, wow, they could do it really well. And then you you're with a partner might might be at your level. And then that's where the learning is, right? So then your brain starts to say like, oh, okay, I need, I know what it needs to look like. I know what the cues are because the master said this. And then I know what, you know, the mistakes can be made or whatever it is. They're not grasping it. So that, that, uh, that's that been shown through like motor learning to be the optimal environment. I think that needs to happen over and over again as we get older. And the individuals who might not get that regularly, they can feel the um, the loss of not having that, you know, mm. and, and I think that's a key thing, and, and I, that's what's so great about jujitsu because you're getting that and you're getting practical skills, life skills. Life I mean, skills. again, it, um, I, you know, having a little guy in my life, my little son, he's two years old. Like, uh, you know, watching him, and, and this has been since day one of jujitsu. Some some of the basic movements in jujitsu are primal, right? Hip escapes rolls, you know, turning away, turning in, um, using your feet to kind of defend yourself, using your hands, all the creating distance, mm-hmm. you know. D- my son at a infant age, right, was performing all this. And I thought to myself, wow, this is cool. Why is this happening? Well, going back to the 
origination of jiu-jitsu, let's say, in Japan, Japanese jiu-jitsu, then coming into Brazil, and then not going to go into the specifics, but hmm. from Japan to Brazil, and then you see the Gracie family, which really kind of was an immersive family. You know, the whole family, I wouldn't say the whole family, but many of the family members of practitioners from birth, right? Mm -hmm. But I could see them progressing while they're working with their children. But sure. the practical skill of passing it on to my son will be critical. I mean, every, you know, when I do come home after jujitsu at the end of my day, I have to clean my gi, hmm. which all of us know we have to do. It's not, it's not negotiable. Yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. So I take him to clean the gi, right? And mm -hmm. um, I'm like, all right, you know, we get soap, we get the card. So he puts on his little slippers. He comes with me. He closes the door. Daddy, the gi, the gi. Then, the, you know, the alarm goes off in the house. Uh -huh. And he's like, Dad, the gi. And then I give him like, I don't know, give him like a rash guard or a pair <laughs> of socks to hold, you know. Uh -huh. And he, he carries the thing. But bottom line is I want to show him that discipline. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, give him the tools to, one, defend himself or not even have to defend himself. The same thing I just mentioned, carry himself. I mean, there's, bullying is coming front and center these days yep. in, a, in a great way. And people, you know, in the past, I think it's been just swept under the rug. But obviously in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years-ish, um, you know, it's, it's big in the public light. And, you know, statistically, it definitely shows the people that are in martial arts and have a certain level of confidence. Avoid those situations of bullying. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, I definitely want to pass that on. The whole point of this whole story is, you know, again, I think we all owe it to our children and to the people we love to kind of give them some of these lifestyle skills for the obvious benefits that Lee and I have just been mentioning of mm -hmm. the physicality, the mental aspect, the spiritual aspect, and the spiritual aspect of working with someone in a very intense way, being able to shake their hand. And seeing them again the next day and doing it again, you right. know. So these it, conflict resolution, I mean, on the highest level, you being as it's pretty intense, man. There's not much unless someone has a gun to you. You know, it it, it doesn't get as more intense than what we're talking about. Right. Um, but again, the, the realities of combat kind of bring front and center. And um, it just teaches you to kind of respect one yeah. another <laughs> i think it also fulfills uh, i don't want to dive too much into it but like it fulfills another part of what makes us human because i think those people who have never experienced it before there's that kind of uh built up uh caged anger that can yeah. be placed and there's nowhere to express it i think that's more dangerous than a person who's got decades of combat experience yeah we we all know that these the most what there's a you sent me something the most dangerous people are the least violent. Was, oh, yeah. I'll pull up that quote. That was a, a great one. Because, again, you know, I don't want to name drop No, people. I mean. I'm not going to name drop. But, um, but you know, the general quotes. Uh, it was, um, you know who it was? It was Jordan Peterson. Ah. Jordan Peterson's quote. Uh, I'll pull it up in a second. Da, no, but da, we, da. you know, again, working with these guys on a daily basis, alongside of these gentlemen on a daily basis, the most respectful, you know, they're not looking for confrontation, man. They're not nothing to prove. Um, and then when I go into some other environments where you could obviously see these people have not uh, been in this kind of training, a little less respectful. That's right. <laughs> and that, that's usually indicative of their uh, their background in terms of what they've been through. All right, here we go. 
Jordan Peterson, a harmless man is not a good man. <laughs> a good man is a very dangerous man who has that voluntary control. And I totally, totally agree. It's oh, it's control, it's right. not about... I, I've, I've witnessed it right in front of me where there's individuals that have no outlet of this and they're going through very human things, human stress, and they express their anger in very dysfunctional ways. And it makes them look very weak. It makes them look very yeah, dysfunctional. Yeah. And it's not good. And it, 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 what I think people can learn from this is that you can learn stress management techniques from doing something stressful in this way. And obviously, it's very controlled. You have an instructor and you have a partner. Again, we already talked about the class setting. It's it's helpful in all sorts. And, and you know, and look, exercise in general is stress, right? It's a controlled stress. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain level. Like I always thought, you know, obviously when you, I always think about, you know, in this day and age of high intensity work, you know, interval hit, let's say hit training, mm -hmm. or um, what was it, the safe fit? Anyway, no, 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 no. no, no. I'm gonna go there. We're gonna talk about <laughs> that. Terrible. We're gonna talk about just <laughs> putting yourself in an uncomfortable, getting to a certain threshold. I think that's the reality is. Of recently, let's say between CrossFit and other high intensity work exercise, people see the the benefit of taking it to that level. Mm -hmm. But what we're discussing that's very predictable. We know we were discussing before the podcast the these caloric burn workouts. Mm -hmm. um, again, the body is pretty cool at adapt. It's very efficient at adapting at the stress. But we have to place it under stress. Right, a gentleman that I'm. I can't finish this book. It was great. It's great. Goggins. Mm, um, yeah. He talks about doing something uncomfortable every day, getting yeah. uncomfortable every day. Uh, such a, so mm. that life becomes a little less uncomfortable because life is uncomfortable. You're going to, you're going to encounter, I mean, if you're human at some point in your life, you're going to get, and hopefully it happens. I mean, it could be traumatic as a child, but hopefully it happens earlier in life. So you don't have, you have, hopefully some kind of mechanisms to deal. Mm -hmm. But as Lee was saying, you know, when we don't have an outlet for that anger or for whatever is troubling an individual, it often either wreaks havoc in our organs, uh, in our body, you know, in our physiology, mm -hmm. or you kind of start to take it out in your environment and, and you kind of look, as Lee said, weak. And it's, it's, it's frowned upon in our society, right, when we were unable to control ourselves i mean we lived in a uh, somewhat of a control so we don't you know we don't live in a place where we could just act on our impulses and mm -hmm. in those who do you know wind up in jail or you know we're dead really right yeah and it's just i think i think it's super important to have um to a thought totally went in uh, my head. Yeah, uh, well, I feel like we, the, this is the the podcast curse. The, well it, i think what it is is that we uh we feel so intensely about this and it's so all so over anybody that's listening to this we seemingly are free-flowing our, our experiences i think what we'll label this will be jujitsu our experiences with jujitsu yeah um again it seems free-flowing and it seems but but the truth is there's so much i guess we want to express to the public and how how it's benefited us right. and i think i'm going to go on that tangent while you recoup your your mm. thought there. Yeah, so, it's, it's not coming back. <laughs> it's I, gone. I did my best. <laughs> oh, shit. Woo! It'll come back tonight. I'll be, so, I'll be in bed. I'll be like, ah. The, the, you know, the body definitely is much much more, again, the, for anybody that's listening and saying, well, these guys are going on this. It sounds interesting. But, you know, we are so much, just going back to Goggins, he has a 40% principle 
which basically states that all of us are probably operating at about 40% of our capabilities. Mm -hmm. So our body is much more capable than we think. And even right now, as I'm sitting here talking about BJJ and blah, 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 you know, about our experiences, um, I'm I don't think I'm working at 100% of my my capability. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm working towards that on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, the body is... The body, the mind, the spirit is capable of so much more. And in order for us to grow, and this goes into what Lee was saying about being uncomfortable, we have to put it under stress. You know, it's it's just, it's kind of what even, look look what people, people, what um, animals do in the wild. You know, yeah. the wild is the stress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I've had a lot of barriers in my training in the last couple of years um, with jiu-jitsu, ranging from just the the physicality of it, the mobility, the endurance, and most importantly, panic, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of this anxiety of, you know, someone's sitting on your chest uh, trying to, you know, submit you. Um, I've had to come to grips. You know, I, I've went into full fight or flight mode, and the fighting has been rel- – I've fought, and it <laughs> hasn't worked out well. <laughs> so it's basically like, all right, I'm just going to tap before I even try. Mm-hmm. So I had to go through this this experience where, you know, I just had to constantly go into that situation. And there was one partner that we actually had him on the show that big guy, strong guy, very well-versed um, fighter, um, mm-hmm. had me in a mounted position. I was like, oh, I got to get out. Mm-hmm. Tapped him. And I said, you know, that that was a cardio tap. He was like, what? I was like, that's a bitch tap. And he looked at me. He was like, yo, dude being too hard on yourself man mm-hmm. and i looked at him i was like let's go again he was like what do you mean i was like come back you know he had he had acquired the mount right. but i wanted to go right back into it and he was like good shit you know yeah. you know i was like i gotta go into the fire and after that day it was like eh, this guy's about two two ten animal like about to rip my head off and then and, and he he's controlled right yeah, yeah. but it 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 helped desensitize that situation and then as lee said Got to follow the rules, keep my arms in, watch the hips. You know, you go through step certain by step. step by step. And listen, by far, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm working. I'm working on that little position, but I guess I'm just sharing some of those challenges that I had. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward, what has this jujitsu helped in my life? Most importantly, I think it's helped me with stress, uh, excuse me, risk tolerance. You know, the ability that I tried something new, I did a, a tuck and roll, I rolled over my shoulder. Mm. Um, I worked with ex-individuals. I worked with all these amazing people. Why not take the chance with X? Um, being a new father, sh- being stressed out, um, being stressed out in the most positive of ways, but any new parent would attribute, you know, lack of sleep, my little guy melting down, mm. him being sick, my wife being a little stressed. You know, jujitsu has helped... Wait a minute. So what? He dropped a bowl of Cheerios. Mm-hmm. So what? You know, he wet the bed. That's okay. I just got to clean it. You know, and it, and again, I I attribute a lot of this to being in a mount position. Yeah. And you know, if I if I don't have to panic in that situation, why the hell am I panicking for Cheerios on the floor? So um, and again, lastly, I mean, I I, I joined Jujitsu a month before um, quitting my safe corporate position um 
and starting on my own without really a clear plan. I mean, I had a soft plan, mm-hmm. but um, when something presented itself at the time, which was a a line, a red line, I would call it, mm-hmm. it presented itself on top of a couple other factors. The fact that my son was, you know, in the world six months old, a lot of other factors. But I attribute my month of jujitsu and trying something new and knowing that this is going to be part of my life to saying, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to take my chances and um, see how it goes. The worst case scenario would be me just working. Uh, I mean, finding another job, you know, which work, going back, going back. I mean, the truth Mm -hmm. is, you know, luckily we busted our ass to a point where we never have to worry about a, quote, job. Um, And I think what our education has done for us is created and options. Mm -hmm. But again, options education that's all fine and dandy but if i don't i didn't have the risk tolerance to take that chance mm-hmm. i attribute a lot of that to jujitsu and i am forever grateful to you know to being part of it I'm, I'm, i feel honored that's another thing being in that room mm-hmm. today and many other times you know sometimes it's like a chore I, there's so much prep work to get into that damn door mm-hmm. between the food, the water, the shake, the the the, packing the, gi, the, the gi. packing of the ghee. You know, do I have an extra? Gotta have my underwears. Gotta have a set of uh, fucking socks. Gotta have a different shirt when I'm soaking. You know, it's right, right? Oh, it's huge. It's a, it's it's a oh lot of God. other shit. And, and I'm sometimes I'm I'm proactive. I get all that shit done Ooh. at night. Other times I'm in the today. I forgot a rash guard. Oh. I forgot, and I was like, all right, I got an undershirt, mm-hmm. and I actually worked out. It was cotton undershirt. I was like, all right, I could do that. But again, jujitsu. I might have. Three years ago, I might have had a fucking panic attack. I'm like, I can't go to class. <laughs> you know, I don't have my... But this has taught me to be flexible. Yeah. Um, so I'm forever grateful. And again, last week, looking around the room, I said, oh, shit. I'm honored to be... Just chill. Forget about forget about the fact that you know nothing. Learn and just enjoy the ride. Because, you know, yeah. tomorrow's not, you know, promised. So. It's true. No, I mean, being in that room, there's so many professionals who are... Very talented, and uh, Henzo Gracie School is doing really well right now with their notoriety, and uh, John Danaher and the other awesome students under him. So it's really cool to be in that room when a lot of those guys are in there because you're you're learning from what's best right now and uh, what seems to be the most effective, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so that that's the coolest thing ever. Um, I did want to say a couple quotes from Helio Gracie. There's one that I always um, saw and, and it kind of hit home. And we we quoted it once, I think, during the podcast. Uh, Helio Gracie, he was, you know, one of he's attributed to be one of the founding fathers of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, right? He's like one of the he- yes, yes, group yes, of yes, main yes. brothers. Uh, he quote said, "Every child should learn how to swim, ride, and fight." I'm assuming the ride is ride a horse. Maybe ride a horse. Yeah. Ride a bike. Ride, ride a, a car. Bike. I mean, he's a better, better be able to transport yourself somehow. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, then ride the wave. Ride the wave could be surfing. Yeah. But fight is kind of clear, right? Yeah. And fight is cl- and swimming too. Swimming's another one. But it's so simple, and I, I, I totally agree because these are practical, lifelong skills. If you can, that's that's the ideal, right? Um, another one. Quote: Jujitsu is for the protection of the individual, the older man, the weak. The child, the lady, and the young woman—anyone who doesn't have the physical attributes to defend themselves. Yes, and go. No, yeah, I mean that—that's a very—it's a great quote because it, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has been 
um, deemed the quote gentle art, which is so funny to me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you look, what that means is it really means it. You're not going to kill the person to defend yourself. You're going to um, defend yourself by making them submit to you that they don't want to. They no longer want to fight. Right. Um, and I think that's the coolest thing ever. And it's so. It's not. Uh, the traditional way that I learned combat or martial arts, it, it's kind of a way that is way more on, um, way more effective than all the other things that we talked about today in terms of But there's a human. humility to it, right? Humility, yeah. There's a humility to it because, you know, as the... You know, let's say you have an aggressor and you're able to subdue them. You know, you, you could, as one of our instructors say, you know, give them your business card... Yeah. And, uh, and tell them to give you a call. I mean, the, the whole purpose of one of our instructors saying, showing us how to subdue a person, hold them there, is that you don't necessarily have to hurt the person. Right. And that's part of it. Yeah. Fast forward, he's not saying to, you know, uh, subdue the person and just start to ha- shake the hands either. That He did not say that. No. Um, he, basically, you always want to maintain a certain level of distance. But mm-hmm. his um, point is that you don't necessarily have to hurt a person in trying to defend yourself. I don't know how I would react in those circumstances because if someone is attempting to encroach on my space, I don't know how to put it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. None of us know, and that's no. the beauty of it. We don't know how we're going to react, but mm. at least we have a certain plan. Yeah. Um, but going back to jujitsu being a gentle art, you know, it, it's there's a lot of math involved, yeah. and not math like doing the actual pro plan, but there's a lot of physics involved. There's a lot of leverage, and there's um. There's a, it seems like magic, but it's really physics, right? It's all physics and how you move your body and how you get your opponent or partner's body to move with you and have them, and based on reaction. It is. It was so if I had a patient, he's a really funny patient, and um, I see him every once in a while, and he, he knows I do jujitsu. He's like, man, jujitsu is like, it's like a superpower, and I was I laughed about it. I was like, God, he's right. It's like this um thing that not everybody knows, but it can it can look magical or like a superpower. Invisi- well, the invisible jujitsu as Mr. Hickson. Hickson, Hickson yeah. talks about the invisible jujitsu. Mm. And she just kinda I watched a couple of his videos and I did one or two of his principles of connection, mm-hmm. base, head on the floor. A couple of things that I remember working with our boy Joe. He was like, how the fuck? Why'd you flip me? Mm. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, But I just happened. followed. You know, I followed the, you know, it was a basic, like a hip toss, kind, not a hip toss. Um, uh, like sweep? A, like a sweep, but just one where you kind of, uh, almost like a mount escape. Mm-hmm. A mount escape, I think. But it was so, the head turn, it, w- it was just done what what I watched in the video. Anyway, invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, Hickson talks about this invisible jujitsu, but essentially physics. Yeah, it's stuff you can't see, but your body feels. So oh, yeah. it's amazing. It's good stuff. I mean, wow, what a big um, marketing thing for jujitsu! I think this is a perfect <laughs> opportunity to let the world know what we're planning to do. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> so we are uh, beginning this year. We're offering uh, a course, and we have we have two options right now. One is for um, clinicians and trainers, and the other is for people who actually do jujitsu. But the one for we're going to start with the one for trainers and clinicians. And what we the, the title of the course is called Considerations for the Jujitsu uh, Player or Athlete. And so what we're going to mainly cover 
is what a jujitsu player goes through on a class. And usually we're going to use our experience because we're beginners. So it's going to be beginner to possibly intermediate, but um, some basic submission holds, basic positions, what kind of stresses their body goes through. And then definitely um, some avenues to explore what they need to do prerequisite, prerequisite wise to help them get back into jujitsu if that's what they're looking to do or prep them to start it if that's what they want to start to do. Yeah, it's you know, in just our short um, experience it, experience with jujitsu, it's it's very easy. First off, you know, when I'm working with a football athlete, basketball athlete, runner, you know, I I might let's say have a little clip of of excuse me, I might have a, an understanding of their movement. I don't I don't play tennis, right? And I have tons of people that play tennis and golf. So you know, as a skilled clinician, you can go through a movement pattern and kind of figure it out. Jujitsu is a little different in that very different. it's you know. Yeah, there's not 10 movements that you're looking at. It's infinite. But in understanding that as a clinician, you could kind of, you could start to plan for this infinite, infinite look at things and then Mm -hmm. ask yourself, what is the criteria to get this person back on the mat if they're off the mat? And the majority of the time, they probably won't be off the mat and you're not going to keep them off the mat so how can you effectively help this person and give them some red flags when to be off the mat so that's going to be one of the clinical implications um from a training perspective i'm sorry trying to figure this out and thankfully lee and strong first and the gentleman at catalyst which we'll have on soon Mm -hmm. um are all definitely players on a high on a very high level Mm -hmm. um but what are the training implications are you going to be able to get away with uh, three days a week on the elliptical. No, you're not. <laughs> no. It's not going to do anything for you. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know. But what are what are some good training methodologies that will help a person's performance? Most importantly, potentially avoid injury. Right. right. We're really prevention is really where we're talking. I think our mainstay is prevention. But uh, what are some modalities and methodologies that you can use right. um, within the jujitsu community? Um, there's a variety of experience, right? There's a lot of people that do have a bit of a lot of people with a fitness background, but often others don't, and they use jujitsu as their sole mode of exercise. And this is great, but there's certain implications. There's probably some other stuff that they should be doing prior to class, after class, maybe on off days that would truly change their experience in jujitsu. So we hope during these workshops to um, to help spread some knowledge and um yeah it's gonna be pretty cool yeah and um that it could be as simple as what you just listed off uh even managing their schedule if they're doing it like seven days a week and they're not doing anything else it's possible to suggest to them because if they're coming to us as clinicians they obviously have something going on that might be causing them a disability then maybe suggest doing less jujitsu which doesn't thwart their progress there's actually a lot of research to show if you're getting the quality training in, you could still train less and still get the same benefit, but now just focus on more mobility or more strength training or other things like that. It could be as simple as that, but it's usually it usually takes an objective view of things yes. to get that you know, work to work that out. And obviously it has to work with the person, you're not gonna force anybody. But those are the kind of things that we're gonna talk about yes. uh in these courses. So we're really excited about it, and um, if you are interested, we're reaching out to a couple places, and we have a couple places that we're going to start in, but if you're interested in having us do it at your gym, your clinic, you can always reach reach out to us on social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, uh, all those things, YouTube, 
um, and ask us whatever you want, and we'll get back to you. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to that journey. But, um, yeah, I think I think that's going to wrap it up. Yeah. So some leaving thoughts. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> Jiu-jitsu is beneficial. It's not as dangerous as everybody uh, believes it is. It can be right. managed through um, certain small things, and we listed them off previously. It's it's overall fun, and if you want to learn how fun it is, you could talk to people who do jiu-jitsu, and we can explain it to you. If you want to ask us, ask us. Google it. There's tons of uh, <laughs> explanations of it. There's a large community that's rapidly growing. And um, just think about um, what are you doing in your life that is um, somewhat uncomfortable that might be beneficial, right? Whether that's a certain level of exercise. Um, but again, if, if you're talking about the most um, dynamic, uh, again, we're biased. You know, again, as Lee said, hopefully this podcast could help demystify uh some of the stereotypes that comes along with jujitsu. It's not all about just uh, fighting or a fight club of some sort. Uh, a lot of intellectuals, and I would call them nerdy types, like jujitsu in the sense yeah, of... Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, that, so that many. you know, that there is like... It's, again, it's someone... Com- I guess it was Harley that mentioned this in one of his podcasts, but really like a physical chess match. It is, and, and it's, um, it's so analytical. Like, uh, uh, Eddie Bravo talks about this all the time, right. and I see it in the videos at a 10th planet. Like, they, they're, a, oh, they're, they're, a, obs- they're a bunch. They're, you know, yeah, there's a bunch of obsessive, like, in a good way. They're they're analyzing, there's, there's it's like getting your PhD in something, man. Like absolutely. This pra- the practicing. Absolutely. The, the level nuts. of um, time and commitment that it takes to progress Hands down, my blue belt is the hardest thing I have ever worked for. Yeah, Physically, same. mentally, emotionally, core, to, to the core of me. I mean, graduate school, tough, a lot of challenges. You know, college, prereqs, getting into PT school, certain major life events that have happened, losses in my life. Those were, oh, those were tough. But going to class three days a week, four days a week when, you know, when I'm tired. And, oh, man. But anyway, this is a big promotional clip yeah, no. jiu-jitsu but again yeah. I, we we truly wholeheartedly know that the changes it's made in our lives and yeah. the many other people people that aren't even taking jiu-jitsu they've benefited right so my wife my child my clients you know a lot of a lot of people it, it's just a positive thing and i think um good luck if you're looking to try and you know how to reach us that's right thank you all for listening we thank you for all your support on all social medias and even this podcast and we'll see you next week when we have... Next week, we will have... The maestro, Luke Bongiorno. Yes. He the will physical be. therapist. So stay tuned. It will be a very... Um, t- Luke is an interesting person, and uh, we're honored to have him on. It's going to be a really cool show. Yeah, it'll be very fun. Stay tuned. All right, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A Few Good Physios. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow us each week while we interview guests and have clinical commentary. 